This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello and welcome to the COB. It's the start of the week, Monday, September 28th. I'm Ingrid Williams. I'm here with David Scutt uh, on this Monday to kick off the week. We've got a lot of things happening uh, on the macro front over the next couple of weeks, Scutty, but we should probably start with markets, which have ended the day pretty flat. Yeah, so it uh, doesn't really give you a sense of what's happened, uh, at least from the index level, the, uh, the story of the day, but uh, certainly some, uh, some big moves underneath the surface when it came to sectors and individual stocks, none least what's going on with the other uh, travel sector with some uh, massive gains uh, after the government flag support for the, uh, for the industry in the budget coming up next week. And I uh, really sent some of those, uh, those names off to the clappers today. Really uh, big gains. Yeah, also coupled with Jacinda Ardern, uh, of course, the New Zealand Prime Minister talking about a potential travel bubble, which could take place even before Christmas, much to the delight, I'm sure, of many travellers who are busting to get out of here. But um, yeah, certainly that all helping uh, the travel stocks today, certainly a bright spot on the market. If we're talking the recovery theme as well, we're starting to see coronavirus uh, cases certainly down here at home at stark contrast to what we're seeing across the globe at the moment. But here at home, we're seeing the cases continue to come off. That also playing into this recovery story, Scuddy, and and some of the stocks that you need to start thinking about, according to a lot of the analysts we're talking onto the program, um, about getting into some of those stocks ahead of that story actually taking place. Yeah, probably domestically focused cyclicals are the, uh, the best way to probably <laughs> describe it. But obviously, as you mentioned, there's lots of things that's gone on overseas which are not quite uh, as good as outcomes. But uh, looking here domestically, you know, I think we had five new cases in Victoria. There outstanding work from all the Victorians down there, Melbourne in particular. You know, congratulations and obviously, uh, hopefully, uh, on the track to you know, brighter days ahead. Here in New South Wales, zero cases as well. So... Uh, look, I keep harping back to this point, but I still can't understand why we've got the WA and Queensland borders shut at this stage. To me, it's just, uh, you know, we're talking about support from the government uh, to go and uh, support the, the airline industry, the travel mm. industry. Uh, we're doing our own goal. Why don't, we have our, why don't we have our country open at the moment, given how low the other case count is at the moment? So At this point, New Zealand could be open. New Zealand borders could be open earlier than Queensland. Oh, uh, but then when I saw uh, Prime Minister Ardern talking about hotspot definitions, my mind just, uh, the, the, just started rolling back in my head. I, uh, we've got to look at the actual cases. We, you know, we don't want to go and see the, uh, the virus run rampant around don't know, either here or in New Zealand. But uh, surely, look at what's going on. We've got, we're on top of it for the time being. Let's stop being so cautious. Let's go and celebrate 2020 and actually have some good news. Well, Scotty's got some strong views on that, as we know. But uh, some of the top movers and bottom movers today, uh, one of the bottom movers directly related to the lockdowns in Victoria and what we've been seeing there is A2 Milk took a huge dive today, down about 11% um, at, at the close here. Interesting because it's been you know, impacted in a positive way by a strong China but in a negative way by the Daigo channels, which of course have been disrupted, the unofficial channels disrupted significantly during COVID and, and likely to continue actually, um, that Daigo disruption. Yes, and 18 milk got massive tailwinds, the peak of the pandemic in China as well, where people were hoarding supplies and like. Now, uh, 
no doubt that's been run off by uh, individual households and the like. But uh, when you go and bring forward so much demand, naturally you're going to have a mm. bit of an overhang. So I wonder whether that's potentially had a bit of a play there. But uh, certainly A2 Milk was hit very hard today. Well, the founders did pretty well because Chair David Hearn sold about 20% of his holding at the end of August. Chief Jeff Babbage sold 25% of his holding at the end of August. So pretty much right at the top there for A2 Milk. Done pretty well, the insiders there. But um, moving on from A2 Milk, Mesoblast was the top performer today, it must be said. Interesting, this one does move around a lot. So it has to be said, it was up about 12%. But a lot of these stocks have done pretty well of late. Scuddy, other stocks that have done well are the tech plays, which are continuing to rise in light of what we're seeing in the United States. Tech had a great rally today. Yeah, that's a really interesting one because uh, looking at what's going overseas, everyone's going back to that uh, no stay at home thematic. So you know, anything that's basically you know, companies that have got a lot of earnings where people will be boosted by people staying home. But that's not happening here. So, but obviously, I know people are looking at what's going on, uh, particularly in the uh, the buy now pay later sector. We had some pretty uh, pretty decent gains as well today here locally. But uh, that's one of those really strange thematics that I'm watching from a distance. Going well, I understand that I uh, know we're part of a global jigsaw puzzle here, but uh, it just seems strange to be basing investment decisions off what's going on abroad rather than what's happening here. What's your view on the banks, Scuddy? Uh, I know you were speaking earlier with Cross Asset Investment Specialist at Fidelity International, Anthony Doyle. He's been saying it's too early to play the rotation story into banks. He says they're still cautiously positioned on the banks in general. Um, part of this is, you know, he's remaining wary despite the winding back of these responsible lending rules last week. Housing plays into this. We know lending books um, are certainly a huge part of the banks in terms of margins. What are you watching here? Oh, uh, look. Margins are going to be pressured for the foreseeable future. Undoubtedly, the, uh, the relaxation of responsible lending laws at the margin will go and uh, increase uh, the flow of credit to, uh, particularly to the mortgages uh, sector. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a game changer for the uh, for the sector. It's got, there are a lot of challenges that lie ahead. None least, uh, there's going to be a proportion of uh, bad and doubtful debts. Although I must say that I think those are uh, those headwinds facing the sector. Uh, obviously, you know that we've seen this year. Uh, maybe just starting to go and lessen a little bit. But needless to say, I don't think it's time to go and crack the champagne and, and pile into the banks. But each of their own, I think a lot of people out there obviously did that last Friday. It's interesting because Anthony Doyle also speaking about the RBA saying they should go much harder to stimulate the economy at the meeting next week. Um, Bill Evans shifted his view um, to November from October. It was expecting to see a rate cut next week. That's shifted now to November to let the budget be sold uh, properly, clear air, I think was was the terminology used there by Bill Evans. What do you make of that? Yeah, it was interesting. It's uh, it's, it's quite strange to see Westpac going, uh, you know, shipping on a, a call so quickly Three after. Days later. Yeah. So it's uh, interesting. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not sure exactly what uh, what drove the improvement. Obviously, the uh, the, the official reason is that uh, they want to give clear air to the government, but uh, others have pointed out that as well. I know NAB uh, before Westpac was talking about you know either October or November favouring kind of November because it gives the, uh, the government time to go and sell the, uh, no, the budget and then have the RBA come in and show the support for the, uh, for the spending side of things, which is undoubtedly going to be a feature. But uh, look, one way or another, I agree with Anthony Doyle. I think that uh, the RBA, whilst it's done a lot, can do more and uh, it should not die worrying enough. I've said this many times on the mm. podcast before. Uh, it should go and tap out as much as it can go and possibly do and then legitimately can go and hand over to the, uh, to the government and say, well, it's over to you to go and uh, drive it from here. Well, and all the guests we're talking to, a majority of the guests we're talking to are expecting a very stimulatory budget. It, you know, it wouldn't happen any other way given the year that we've had. If you're going to have a budget, you know, and you want to spend, this is the year to do it. 
In terms of how this impacts markets, that's what we've been asking a lot of guests. I mean, is, is this pretty much priced in, do you think? A lot of the guests we're talking to are saying, look, the stimulus is priced in. We need to see more, obviously, from the government and from markets. But stimulus is what's driving markets across the globe at the moment. Yes. Uh, needless to say, I think expectations for increased infrastructure spending are probably largely in the price. Uh, obviously, we're going to go and see the, uh, the, the bring forward of the phase two of the income tax cuts as well. That's pretty much pricing, I reckon. Uh, there's obviously a lot of people who are also looking at what's going on with the, uh, the job seeker uh, payment. Now, what's going to happen with that potentially moving forward? We know that uh, that's going to be a big driver of consumption if it's uh, you know, given a boost, even if temporarily. Uh, one thing I'm keeping an eye on as well is that I know this government loves to go and, uh, and juice housing market, housing construction, the like. I know home builders been, uh, I know has been out there for a while now, but it would not surprise me to see that extended or expanded in some kind of form to go and boost that sector. The government loves to go and get housing investment going. Uh, it's a big multiplier, and that could be one of the things to go and look out for. Well, let's talk this week, because we got um, economic data out this week, building approvals for one, uh, as we said, but also that presidential debate, the big one uh, on Tuesday night, Scuddy, US time, I think Wednesday morning, our time. But this is one that a lot of our guests are talking about on the program at the moment. Say it could be market moving for the United States, that could flow through to us. Um, do you think this will be binary? Do you think it'll move markets depending on who wins? We've been speaking to a couple of guests today that said, yeah, it certainly could move markets. Well, our guys don't discriminate. I think from a broader perspective, I'll be very surprised whether it's going to have too much of a meaningful impact uh, no, actually to what the result will be of the election. I think so many Americans have made up their mind that we know polarisation is so high at the moment. I just don't think there's enough of a populace out there who hasn't made up their mind as to which way they intend to vote. Uh, it's been a very divisive four years from the Trump administration. We know that. We can see what's going on in the society uh, at the moment. So I suspect that you know, what we're going to see is, uh, is a very tight race, but I don't expect that it's going to be terrible. The one, one disclaimer I put in that is that we know that Joe Biden's expectations for his performance have probably been lowered quite substantially by the market. But if he puts in an absolute shocker, then mm-hmm. I think that might be the one key turning point that could have a big influence. So out of all the things in that 90-minute uh, episode of fun we're going to go and experience uh, on Wednesday morning, that's what I'll be looking forward to see how his performance fares. Now, it's interesting. Comsec Senior Economist Ryan Felsman has uh, been talking about the average unleaded petrol price hitting four-month lows um, of 115.2 cents a litre last week. East Coast pump prices hitting the cheapest phase of the fuel cycle. Scuddy, your view is all about petrol prices today. What's your gripe? Yeah, it was sparked by uh, being in an Uber, Uber uh, ride uh, for a brief moment of time uh, last night. And... Uh, Having worked in a service station when I was going through uni, I've got a bit of an insight as to some, some of the, uh, the mechanics of work. And uh, I cannot believe that we still sit here in Australia and find it acceptable to have a price cycle for, uh, for retail pump prices. We know that the wholesale prices don't go and swing around like this. The Singapore gasoline price doesn't swing around like an ECG like heart rate monitor, but that's exactly what we get here. And so Ryan Felsen was talking about how prices had fallen to and particular levels, they're still profitable as a whole across uh, no, the, the service station network based on what wholesale prices were. But last night I was coming past uh, down Cleveland Street in Surrey Hills and seeing that the, the price board's getting adjusted up to like 145 for just normal unleaded petrol. That's unfortunate. That, there's no other way to put it. It's price gouging. And um, I think that we shouldn't accept it as a country. I don't know how many times we can go and warn the industry to go and do something about it. But I find it strange that we still accept it here in Australia as being uh, something that we should be, you know, just, oh, that's okay, like, why not? It's a 
bloody big you know, living expense for most households. Mm. And we just accept it. So uh, we talk about disruption a lot in this, uh, this program and you know, you know, the moats getting uh, removed. I hope someone disrupts that industry and gives a better fair go for other motorists in Australia. Well, it's interesting. We were speaking on Start Daily with Mick Jarvie. He's an ex-Caltex head of pricing, talking uh, a new app. They've got the pricing project, finding the cheapest fuel in Sydney and, and or not in Sydney, but in wherever, whichever city you happen to be in. An interesting one uh, to get, I guess, retailers, um, petrol retailers more connected to consumer. So that's just an interesting little tidbit for us. Um, let's have a look at stock of the day. This is a really interesting one. One that's in focus, obviously, because of the travel stocks being in focus today, and that is corporate travel. Um, we've been hearing on that one, Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor on the call, as well as Nathan Somersandram from Deep Data Analytics. Let's have a listen to what they had to say. You know, it has a, it's a great founder-led management. Um, their historical results have been terrific. They're nimble and aggressive. Um, one of the, the concerns we've had are really about um, margins. They just look very high. Um, and I've always thought that they'd be competed away, and yet they, they never are. Uh, and I think that's a sign of exceptional management. Uh, and I think there is also a, a stickiness in the corporate space that you don't see in, in the retail space. Right. I think um, this is the time to, to get, in, in, get interested. If you're ever going to look at this kind of stock, now is the time to do it. Okay. It is one where it's an event-driven downgrade cycle, so things can turn around. Uh, and the market has been questioning their growth story and the margins for years as it was running higher and higher and higher. So mm. in context, I think it's not too bad. And if you're getting into that cap raising, you're probably doing well. I think if you've been a shareholder, you're probably getting filleted. Any ideas what they're buying, Mason? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but my guess historically has been most of these guys are buying in multiple different regions. Mm. To, and we've seen with Flight Center, they're vertically integrating other parts of the travel industries right. at the bottom. But right. most of these guys are going broke. And yeah. you can add that on. And later on, there'll be massive margin gains. Uh, so that's the upside for it. So I think it is, Grab's right. This is the time to look at it. Okay. Um, and I think you, you just got to also have at the bottom of your stomach saying, okay, this will be volatile for the next six to 12 months. That's Nathan Somersandram and Gaurav Sodhi there speaking on corporate travel. It's an interesting company, isn't it? Uh, everyone's got a view on what's going to happen with uh, corporate travel in the future. I'm still probably leading to the point where I, I back Zoom technologies and the, uh, the like. Also, obviously, it's important to go and have people face-to-face -face meetings. But I think sometimes, you know, this is going to be one of those permanent changes. But... We'll see what happens, obviously, mm. with, uh, with corporate travel, but uh, under uh, looking to raise capital and uh, a transformational deal, according to some, uh, some articles out today. So one to go and keep an eye on. Tomorrow, the big one, uh, just looking at what's coming up tomorrow, we've got some economic data, the, the weekly consumer confidence, Roy Morgan ANZ read. Look, this is becoming more and more important during COVID just to get an idea of how consumers are tracking week by week and you can make a trend off that. What, what do you sort of make of what's been going on with consumers? Because obviously we've got to be getting more confident now that the case numbers are coming down across Australia. I know it's been edging higher, but I'd be shocked if we don't see a pretty meaningful increase next week uh, for the other uh, reading we'll get out tomorrow for, uh, for last weekend, should I say. It's just, no, you're right. I think there's so much people who are looking at what's going on with virus case counts. We know the Victorians out there will probably be so relieved to be able to go out and uh, not be under curfew conditions from now on. And uh, all things being equal, they're making very good progress in that state. And uh, just as a more broad perspective, I know that I feel a little bit more confident about what's happening domestically. Mm. Obviously, what's going on abroad is a different kettle of fish. But uh, no, it's uh, certainly like we're coming to summer. We've got sport back on the TV. 
Health side of things is pretty good. Sun's out. We're going to have like, you know, the government uh, no, delivering a, a dump truck full of cash in the economy as well. So there are some grounds to go and you know, be a little bit optimistic after what's been a tough year. All right, well, we might end on that positive note. We will see you tomorrow. That wraps up the COB for today. See you tomorrow uh, from 8.30 Eastern right here on Ausbiz. Looking forward to it. See you then.